death. And because of that, light cannot be stopped. And we are so thankful. Let's pray this morning. God, I want to come to you this morning and just thank you for the opportunity to to echo your word. Many of those phrases from that song are directly from Scripture. Um, God, as we consider and examine who, who is worthy, none. None is worthy but the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God, with great fear and trepidation, God, we come to your word believing and knowing how holy you are, how incredible you are, how worthy you are, and how sinful and broken we are, but how gracious you are to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to use us. So God, we pray that we would stay in that mindset this morning as we examine your word this morning, in Jesus' name. guys talk among yourselves. I'm going to guzzle this water real fast, all right? Many people in our church have begun walking through a couple of resources. Um, One of them is Every Man a Warrior. Another is Cultivating Holy Beauty. You heard us reference those as we were walking through uh, much of January and February. Also, we've got some folks that are joining a couple new groups on Sundays, Um, some couple groups that are meeting, and many of those groups, uh, as they get started, they're going to enter into a passage of Scripture this morning um, out of Matthew chapter 22, and I want to read that for you this morning because it calls us to something, but also I think we need to see how we can step into that this morning. Um, If you'll just walk with me through this this morning, Matthew chapter 22 verse 34 says, uh, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, Ask him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love the Lord, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On those two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is not what the Pharisees were hoping for. The Pharisees were hoping that in this line of question, as the movement of Jesus was growing, that they could pin him and corner him and back him into a corner saying, okay, if you're going to defend one law, which one is it? And he beautifully, profoundly opens up and encompasses all of, by law and grace, the Old Testament, and encompasses all of what he's there for in the New Testament, and he says, well, it's simple. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. This is the first and greatest commandment. Even the most religious in the moment were dumbfounded. That's not what we were hoping for. We'd hope he'd pin himself, he'd back himself in. But instead, what does he do? He focuses on the relationship we have to a heavenly God. He doesn't get bound up and trapped in the law. He says, let me teach you about the relationship. Let me remind you, this is about a relationship with a holy God. To love him with all your heart, love him with all your soul, love him with all your mind. This is what I want you to know. But what do we do, as I was studying this passage, what do we do when our hearts and our soul and our mind are cluttered with the mess of sin? 
What do we do when the, the scars of regret creep in and the, and the lies of the enemy begin to speak and there's painful decisions that are caused by sin in our past and even in our current lives? How do we become cleaned up and ready to be used by God? About 15 years ago, I was doing some home improvements. Some of you may remember this moment. Um, and uh, we were taking our <clears throat> bonus room and turning it into a homeschool room. And we decided to put a half bath up there. And so we had a plumber come. Uh, I'm not a home improvement guy, okay? I'm trying. I'm, I'm getting there. Um, learning. Uh, Daniel's teaching me. Some other folks are helping me along in the path, all right? And, uh, but, but then I was zero, none, all right? And uh, so the, the plumber said, hey, buy you a can of this stuff. It's called great stuff. And go around the pipes. And, and make sure there's, there's no air coming through and make sure there's no places for, you know, little creatures to come into your house. And, and uh, so I did that and I, I bought it and I put it up there in that room. Well, there's no air conditioning and it was hot. Hot, 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 hot. Summer, hot, right? Bonus room, you know, no air circulating. And so I went up one day, there were some of our teenagers here. Actually, Matt Bryant, one of our pastors, he was there as a teenager helping me carry sheetrock that day. And, uh, and we were over there, we were working, and uh, I decided to get this can out. And I went to spray it, I took the lid off, and when I went to squeeze it, it exploded all over my hands. Um, there, there's, a, there's a warning label on the back. <clears throat> It says, extreme, this is the first line, extremely sticky, prevent skin and eye contact, wear gloves and protective eyewear. Did I have on gloves? No. I got new gloves though, right then. They were called great foam gloves. I finished the project and I, you know, I'm scraping it off my hands onto the wall, you know, trying, to, trying to get this stuff off of me. And, and I do what is natural. You begin to figure out everything you can to get something off your hands. So I started with water. Uh, I then went to gas, like straight gas, all right? Fingernail polish remover, hot water, goo gone. Nothing, nothing, nothing helped. And here's why. When something is an ice insulator, when it gets wet, it contracts and it seals. <laughs> right? It did its job, except not on the wall, on my hand. There's another line that one of the other adults in the room found, and it said this. Clean up on solid surfaces. This is still on here. Right? I just bought this and still the same morning. Uncured foam dissolves with acetone. For skin and solid surfaces, cured foam must be removed mechanically. Figure that one out. How do you mechanically remove something from your hands? Or allowed to wear off in time. Two weeks later, I'm sitting in staff meeting at church. Biting off great stuff. Honest to goodness truth. The first two days I had webbed hands, okay? I could have swam a great distance. Now, I share this with you for a purpose. One, to loosen you up, all right? Two, to let you know, never invite me to your house to do home improvement. We've cleaned that up, I think. Three is for us to realize that Scripture, God's Word, is full of promises to protect us. It's, it's a relationship that's designed to protect us. Please do not envision God as this 
creature up in the heavens waiting to spite, smite you for the first mistake or breaking of the law. It's crucial that when we see the teachings of Scripture, if you're new with us this morning, that when we see the teachings of Scripture, that yes, there are warnings. Yes, they are guidelines. Yes, they are there for protection in a relationship. God desires to protect us. Therefore, He gives us guidelines to follow and live by. He, he, he spells it out there. Not on the back of the can and in his word, but he also, here's what I love about this. He also realizes that you and I are going to fall into sin. As believers, we're going to sin. If you've never trusted in Christ, we are in, Scripture says, you are in sin. We step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you say, well, man, I'm all cleaned up. That, does, that means we're still going to have moments, for sure, of sin. And just like me in this great stuff, it says, listen, here's some instructions, if you want to call them that, of how to get rid of this. This morning, I want us to see from an Old Testament and a New Testament passage. So what do we do when we come to Matthew 22, verse 36 through 38? It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, but your heart, soul, and your mind are burdened with sin, burdened with regret. Burdened with our past. And you say, man, I, I, it's hard for me to come to the Lord my heart, soul, mind. Because my heart, soul, mind is just filled with guilt and shame. How do we get cleaned up? How do we begin to experience healing? How do we, while having to walk through a consequence, a consequence, a real consequence from our sin, how do we experience God's grace and His calling in our lives how do we find restoration? How do we move forward in a relationship with a loving God who says, I want you to love me with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This morning in the book of Isaiah, I want us to look for just a little bit at a, a prophetic vision. Now, um, prophets of the Old Testament often had <clears throat> these prophetic visions where God would communicate to the prophet a message that he wanted them to take back to the people of Israel, God's chosen people, always that message was for them to go back to them and say, here's, what, here's your sin, here's your opportunity for repentance, here's the consequences if you don't, and here's the opportunity. And oftentimes the people of Israel kept coming back to the Lord. But Isaiah is one of those prophets, and the Lord gives him an opportunity throughout the book of Isaiah um, to recount for the people what are the consequences. What is the opportunity? How do you repent? How do you turn to Christ? What are the difficulties? Then in Isaiah chapter 6, we have this vision that I want us to look at for just a few moments together. This vision that Isaiah has between he and the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I just pause right there for a moment, love to point these moments out. Uh, if you're new to Scripture, understand that Scripture is not void of history. The Scripture includes moment in history. King Uzziah is, can be proven in history. Scripture includes these moments so we can document where this is in the timeline of the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, based on moments like this. But in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. It's his vision. High and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. 
two, he covered his feet. At two, he flew. The king of the southern kingdom had died. The people were not listening to the message. And now God is going to give Isaiah a vision. Not uncommon to a prophet, but what a moment and a vision this must have been for the prophet to have this vision, to be in, in this spiritual moment in the presence of the Lord. Now he references seraphim here. Yes, he absolutely tells us the, the placement of the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. But he also references his seraphim. He says they had six wings. I won't keep going back to this. Maybe I will. These are not cute little fat cherubims sitting in your precious moment shelves, all right? It's not the picture I get at all, all right? Here they are in the presence of the Lord with six wings, two here, two in their body, and two that are keeping them flying. One called to another. One seraphim calls to the other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, I, I thought about dividing you this morning half here and half here, and then having you turn towards each other and proclaim this back and forth, all right? A little seraphim action. The holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Revelation records that this is a back and forth. This is an ongoing Announcement, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Verse 4 tells us, And the foundation of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who calls, and the house was filled with smoke. Now I know we want to live in the kind of the literal moment, and the vision moment is hard for us, but just envision this. The Lord in this room filled with his wonder and his mystery, however you would envision that, the robe of his of this train filling the robe, the seraphim back and forth. Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth. And at that, the thresholds of the place begin to shake and smoke begin to fill the room. Uh, a week ago, on a Thursday night, my son and I drove to, my youngest son, we drove to Asheville for a concert, um, one of his favorite bands. And um, it was a standing room only. Uh, I'm getting too old for those, right? Three and a half hours later, right? Music was loud. The smoke machines were going. The lights were kicking. Everything was perfect. It was loud. It was crazy. It was awesome, all right? But one of the things that would happen, the bass, you could just feel it shaking. Whatever moment you may have had that may feel like that, Let's multiply that by a couple thousand, a couple million in this moment. The whole earth is filled with His glory. The whole earth, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth and things are shaken. The smoke is filling the room. This is an unbelievable worship moment, right? Ooh, this is the moment. This is Mama Isaiah, break into holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, right? Break into holy is the Lord. This is your moment. That's not what happens to Isaiah. What happens to Isaiah is something far more important for us to see. What is Isaiah's reaction to this holy moment? The reaction is this. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. 
For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah enters the presence of the Lord, his first reaction is not to sing him a song. It's not to tell him how great he is. It's to recognize our sins and confess. If we want to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, it must begin with the same moment of Isaiah. Woe is me. Broken am I. I am unclean. Without a doubt, his unclean lips were what? A symptom of an unclean heart. This pointing into his life. Isaiah is spiritually unclean and only God, only God can clean him up. That's what he realized in that moment. He didn't pen a new worship song in the moment. He didn't tell him what he gave up to be a prophet. He didn't even tell him how great God is. He says, broken am I. Woe is me. I am of unclean lips. I recognize. I am convicted. I must confess to the Lord. In order for us to love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, then we must be willing to address the areas of our lives, the sinful areas of our lives, which are interrupting the fellowship that we can have with the Lord our God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Woe is me. Isaiah's conviction led to confession, and confession led to cleansing. I don't say this because I'm above this. I say this because I am a part of this, and I know this. We all sin. Now notice I didn't say your spouse sins or your significant other's sins, or your boss' sins, we all sin. Would you just say that with me? We all sin. I lose my temper. I feel prideful. I struggle with emotions. I sin. We have to recognize, if we want to love the Lord our God with our heart, our soul, and our strength, our mind, then we are, have to realize that we are spiritually unclean and only God can clean us up. Only God can clean us up. Whether you're watching this in this room, maybe you're watching this online later on or listening to this, however you're, you're coming to this, I want you to come to the same conclusion. We all sin. Scripture tells us this. Numerous places. That we have sinned, we have fallen short of the glory of God. For some, it's pride. For some, it's gossip. For some, it's immorality, sexually, adultery, disobedience, lying, disregard for parental authority, selfishness, envy, greed, gluttony, racism, laziness, failure to trust the promises of God's word about who we are in Christ, sinful. I, I could go on and on. You're like, whew, he didn't catch mine. We sin. And whether you are here for the first time, the fifth time, the thousandth time, whatever the case, if you walked into this room, you may have walked in this room 
Maybe this is too blunt for some of you. May, you may have walked in this room this morning and you're sitting here and you got a hangover from last night's good times. Maybe you walked in this room and you're carrying the guilt of addiction. Maybe you are consumed by debt and a habit that's putting you deeper and deeper into it. A broken relationship that needs healing and that you are holding on to a hurt deep in your heart. It is sinful. It is burdening you. It is breaking you. It's, it's, it's a weight. Can I just give you hope this morning? That we can start with the same confession of Isaiah. I am unclean. Cleanse me. Refresh me. Renew me. Listen to God's reaction to his conviction. It wasn't, oh yeah, you're right, Isaiah, woe is you, get out of my presence. He reacts in a way that it sounds a little foreign to us because we don't live in a sacrificial system as the Old Testament is and was. It was a, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of altar, a lot of things taking place, that we symbolism and things that took place that we don't quite practice in today's day and age. I'm very thankful of that as a pastor. So many of those things. But see the reaction? Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal. We know what a burning coal does. It's a part of a fire. It's hot. It cleanses. It burns through. It gets rid of. A coal that he had taken from with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Isaiah says, woe is me. I'm, I'm of unclean lips. I'm of unclean heart. The people that I'm leading are unclean of heart. Because you are great. You are mighty. And the seraphim come. And the voice says, what does it say there again? Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Your sin has been covered. Something else has stepped in the way of the punishment that you deserve. It's magnificent. Isaiah's guilt is taken away and his sin is atoned for and forgiven. Isaiah's sin, guilt is taken away, Scripture says, and his sin is atoned for and forgiven. The only reaction to meeting God from Isaiah was to seek confession from conviction. The starting block to loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind is confession, is brokenness. But the reaction is nothing short of miraculous. And so this morning, I, I want you to know, and I want you to, to go, man, this is whew, this is heavy, this is conviction, this is sin, this is brokenness. Absolutely it is. But please see from Isaiah, please see what God's gift was to him. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin has been covered up. In First in Peter, now this is in reference not to the coal or the altar. Now we fast forward minimum 1500 years we fast forward Jesus Christ has lived he has died he has suffered he has paid a price on a cross for the sins of mankind lived a perfect life and listen to what 
we read in Scripture. This is not for Isaiah. This is for us. And he says, he himself, speaking of Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. See, it didn't stop with Isaiah in the prophetic literature and in that moment with the kingdom of Israel. It moved forward and God offered Jesus Christ as a living sacrifice, perfect, holy, spotless. And this passage said, listen, your sin, like Isaiah's, your guilt is taken away. Your sins are atoned for. Someone else has stepped in the place of the consequences and the payment and the guilt of your sin. And he has taken all that upon himself. You are are set free. We are spiritually unclean. And only God can clean us up. Now I say this to you if you're new with us today. I say this to you if you've grown up here today. And grown up in this church your entire life. I say this to you today as well. We are spiritually unclean, and only God can clean us up. If our hearts, souls, and minds are dirty and broken and full of guilt and past sins and failures, God desires to clean us up. Today's message is not only for Isaiah. It's not for the believers in the time when 1 Peter was written. Today's message is for all of us because Isaiah was a prophet of God. He was one of God's servants. He realized he needed to be cleansed. The New Testament is filled with example after example of people repenting and saying, I am unclean. My fear is that as believers, we outgrow the idea that we're dirty. Yes, we confess our sins and we are justified, Paul says, by our by faith, through grace alone. But that does not mean from the moment that I trusted in Christ that I was eight years old that I had lived a sinless life. I didn't hear any amens. I, I had one bold amen, all right? It's the reality, it's the truth. But I also know that the same God who touched the lips of Isaiah in his vision. The same God who took Saul, a sinner, and turned him into Paul. The same God who took Peter, the guy who always stuck his foot in his mouth and asked questions that nobody wanted to ask, is the same God that forgave, that convicted, that brought healing, and the same God that commissioned them. See, here's what I want us to leave this morning. When I finished this sermon on Thursday, I thought I was done. And man, I just kept coming back to Isaiah and reading through Isaiah chapter 6 and studying Isaiah chapter 6 and reading through that again and again and, and trying to examine that. Everybody, everybody okay? We good? Whew, we're all good. We're all good up there. Whew. The whole earth shook. <laughs> right, right. But I don't want to leave you, listen, here's, here's the danger, I don't want to leave you going, okay, I, I've sinned and, and I confess and he cleanses me. I don't, 
that's great and good news, but I don't want to leave you even there. I want to leave you knowing what conviction can bring about in your life. Listen to what verse 8 says. God is back here in the vision, okay? Isaiah, God, seraphim. And I heard the voice of the Lord this time. Seraphim had been speaking. Now the Lord says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? God is now seeking those who will be faithful through conviction, through cleansing, through confession. Now he is seeking a voice on behalf of the Lord and his promises who will say the hard things, who will do the hard things, who will step into different moments that he's going to step into as a prophet. And God says, who is going to go? And I love that God didn't sidestep and go, Isaiah, it can't be you because woe is you, you're of unclean lips. He doesn't sidestep me and you because of our past sin and say, hey, I'd love to use you, but I just can't. Woe is you, you're right, woe is you. No. And I, in my visual mind, I have Isaiah standing there in this vision in the presence of the Lord. He says, who am I going to send? And Isaiah is like a kid jumping over there going, I got it. Here I am, right here. Right here. I'm right here. Send me. Understand something. Oftentimes we come to a point of confession and it is broken and it is hard and it is and it grieves us and it peels back the layers and it leads us to difficult moments but it also leads to confession it leads to cleansing and it then leads us to being commissioned you see this we are most effective as believers as the church when we step into conviction as we step into confession he forgives us of our unrighteousness and then he says who wants to go who wants to go He's waiting. I'm convicted, cleansed, changed believers to say, I'm right here. Send me. And God said, sorry, Isaiah, you can't do it. You're all washed up. You messed up. Woe is you. Now what does he say? Go. And say to his people. Now I won't even get in what he has to go say to his people. It is not fun. He ain't starting off with a great stuff illustration. I can promise you that. He is starting off telling the people. Here's the message. You're going to disobey it. Here's the promise. You're going to disobey it. Here's the consequences. But nonetheless, if you back up, the beauty that I want you to see this morning is that if you have grown stagnant in your faith because guilt and shame are pushing you back to say, I I could never share my story because of what's tucked away in my past. I I could never step into another marriage and and speak on the behalf of marriage and the forgiveness because because it would really, really just peel back the layers and people would know. Woe are we recognizing that we can only be clean, cleansed by God. 
Thankful are we that the gift of Jesus Christ covers our sin and atones for them. And thankful are we that Jesus looked into the eyes of his early disciples and his followers, sinners just like me and you, and said, go. You realize if the litmus test was perfection, the church would have stopped when Jesus ascended into heaven. If, if, if the litmus test was perfection in order to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it would have ended the moment of the book of Acts when Jesus ascends into heaven. Everybody would have gone, well, not me, woe is me. No, woe is me. I am cleansed. I am, convic- I am cleansed. I am convicted. I am commissioned to go through the atoning of Jesus Christ. Here I am, send me. And he said, You see, the God who forgives you is also the God who frees you. The God who cleanses you is also the God who launches you. The God who carries your sin is the God who sends you. And I really wanted to make sure this morning to land here because over the years of ministry, I have encountered so many believers who have grown stagnant in their faith Because 10, 20, 30 years, there was a sinful act, privately, publicly. And the enemy has convicted them, the enemy has convinced them that they could never be used again. You're on the shelf. You can't be used. You've been through this too many times. Isaiah says, woe is me. For I am of unclean lips. And the people that i got to go share this with are of unclean lips. Through the seraphim, the Spirit of God says, Behold, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. It is gone. It is covered. Scripture says, He bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. By his wounds you have been left on the shelf. By his wounds you have been brought to a point of salvation but never to be used again. No, by his wounds you have been healed, restored. Doesn't mean there's not consequences. Doesn't mean there's not moments of pain and difficulty. My desire is when the Lord beckons upon your heart, lays upon your heart a burden, a need, a ministry, a thought, a person. He says, I I need you to, and who's going to go speak to them? Who's going to do this? Who's going to launch into this ministry? Who's going to teach this place? Who's going to lead this role? Who's going to do it? And then we do not back up in our sin and say, I I just can't. I just can't, Pastor. I can't. I'm just covered up with guilt and shame. I failed as a husband. And I I can't be used again. Your sins have been atoned for. And by his wounds, you are healed. Go. As the 
same calling for each of us 2,000 years later. Are we stuck in sin? We must confess today. Are we broken with guilt? Realize that Christ took that as well. Are we working through consequences? His word can guide us through those difficulties and pains. Are we stagnant because of the past? Here I am. Send me. Let's go.